my friend was broke. She didn't know what to do or where to turn. I'm Nora Ellen. The reason I began this podcast called Women Starting Over is to help women like my friend who find themselves in financial hardship, like divorce, or lost their job or went bankrupt, or maybe, sadly, their husband passed away. You will love these real-life stories of my guests of how they went from being broke to hope to financial success. If she can do it, so can you. Here we go. Welcome back to Women Starting Over. I have a fabulous guest on my show today. She is amazing, and I've been so excited to connect with her. She had bought my book, and we have been communicating, and it's been absolutely wonderful. She has been an entrepreneur for over 35 years. She was a partner in over 30 top-performing franchise restaurant locations, including Little Caesars, Big Apple Bagels, Cadoba Mexican Grill, The Wine Loft, and Smashburger. She is now the CEO of Genie Cleaning and was recognized as a top three partner in 2021 by Cleaning for a Reason for providing free cleaning to cancer patients. She is the chairperson of the ISSA Residential Cleaning Council of the U.S. and Canada and was a 2021 ISSA Cleaning Innovation Awards judge. She advocates for local businesses as a board member of BiCal Local Kalamazoo. She's a certified cleaning business fundamentalist coach guiding startups and business owners across the U.S. and internationally. She now owns Jeannie Cleaning. And welcome to Jeannie Henderson. Well, hello there. Thank you so much for having me, Nora. Well, this is going to be a wonderful episode as you share your starting over story, which I know is incredibly inspiring. Let's go ahead and start at the beginning of how did you grow up when it came to money and income? What was shared around your family that you impact that impacted you? Yeah, uh, looking back on that, um, you know, it is our attitudes about money really do affect us going forward, and as we um, start our careers, you know, as adults and. Uh, I grew up in a blue-collar, middle-class family, uh, and I'm the youngest of five children. Uh, I never had a need, um, so I was blessed with wonderful parents, and they provided very well for us. Um, we didn't lead a luxurious life, but we never had a need, and I'm for that, I'm very, very grateful. Um, and and honestly, my dad was a really fun-loving guy, so he made sure that we also had lots of fun things and fun things to do. So I never, I never felt like I didn't have something that I really, really wanted. Um, and so, it, you know, it was a really good life, but it wasn't something where I ever held a lot of money in my hand or I ever controlled a very, very much money. And... Um, and so I, I didn't really understand about um, saving because I never had much to save. Uh, and as soon as I started working, when I, might, I started working as a babysitter when I was 11. Uh, and so I, I pretty much worked since I was 11 years old. And 
I never, um, I never held on to money. Uh, money uh, usually just slipped through my fingers because mm-hmm. uh, when I had it, I just spent it. And I really never developed a saving habit. And honestly, you know, that is one thing that I didn't learn growing up. Um, I didn't learn how to save and I, uh, I didn't really learn the value of that, of that one action of building my personal wealth. I always depended on someone that someone else would catch me if I didn't have enough money. Um, and taking that into adulthood, it did not serve me well. Uh, and, um, but fortunately, uh, when I did marry, I married someone, my husband, Terry, um, and he's a saver. So thank goodness. Um, I have always been surrounded with people who were good savers because I wasn't good at holding on to money. And, um, and I also had some strange views about wealth. Um, I didn't think that wealthy people were greedy, but I felt like they were lucky Mm. Um, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't really understand that anybody could be wealthy Mm, Sure, and that, (laughs) that you, you have the option to choose that for yourself. Uh, I had to witness other people doing it to believe that I could. And when I, when I did get older and I started my career in the restaurant industry, Uh, I started to watch people around me become very successful and become wealthy. And that changed my, my view of building wealth. And it made me believe that I could achieve much more than I had ever imagined. And, and actually my husband and I did uh, build a significant amount of wealth in the restaurant industry uh, before everything kind of turned south. And, um, before the, um, the big recession hit and our business got hit during that time. And when you, it was at the recession of 2008? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So at that point in time, then you were doing really well with the franchises and 2008 hit and what happened then? Well, it really wasn't related to the recession, but the recession made everything that happened so much worse. My husband and I were in the restaurant industry. We had built several franchise chains in our local communities, uh, and we started selling off our businesses in 2000. We had a large Little Caesars franchise that we sold in 2000 and 2001. And then uh, we sold our Big Apple Bagels franchise a few years after that. And um, and then we eventually sold our Qdoba Mexican Grill franchise uh, in 2006 and 2007. And after selling all of those restaurants, um, you know, 20 locations, uh, you can imagine we had amassed quite a bit of... Um, cash and assets. We had real estate and things like that. We, and so we, we had invested our money. We had the big house, you know, all of the toys, we were traveling a lot and leading a very, um, a life that I never dreamed of. 
that we would have ever gotten there. My husband also comes from a blue collar background. So, you know, this was the first generation of entrepreneurialism and building significant wealth. And instead of retiring, which we could have done at that point, we were both still pretty young. We decided to build more restaurants because we really love the restaurant business. We're a little bit crazy that way. (laughs) Um, And people are always like, you're crazy. But we just love customer service. We love being in the food business. It's very energizing. So we built, um, we chose another chain to get involved with. And I don't want to name the chain because I don't want to disparage it in any way, shape or form. But we built um, two of these restaurants. They were delicatessen type restaurants. They were very popular and we were doing really well. We had a commitment to build 10 of them. So we had uh, made a significant financial investment in the first two that we built. We had taken out a loan for those restaurants. Plus we had invested in the future eight restaurants that we were going to be building. And suddenly something terrible happened. We were hit by credit card hackers out of Eastern Europe. Wow. And this was before people really understood what identity theft was. It was before anybody had protections or the banks knew what to do. It was before there was PCI compliance. And there was a glitch in the software that our restaurant was using that allowed these hackers to get in and steal all of the credit card information of anyone who had ever done business with us including my own personal credit card. And this was uh, right at Christmas time in 2008. Mm -hmm. And what started happening is people started letting us know that their cards had been, um, there had been a fraudulent transaction on their card. And what the banks were doing is they started shutting down those accounts. And it was right at Christmas time. So people were freaking out about it. And it was happening to hundreds of people because these were two very popular restaurants that we had opened up. Wow. So these were your clients then who, with the credit card problem or that came in your store? Wow. Yes. Our customers were being hit. Wow. And as you can imagine, um, people had never even experienced identity theft before. Um, And it was all over the news. The news was, it was such a new thing that we were on the television. It was on the front page of the newspaper. You know, it was just the news media were following us around and we were trying to do everything we could to save our restaurants and our business. But people just stopped coming. Oh, ouch. They were terrified and there was no way that we, we tried to market ourselves out of it. We couldn't. Um, And then right in the middle of all of that, the market took a crash. Right. And, So all of the money that we had saved up started to go away just because the investments that we had lost tremendous value. Wow, that that is really hard to go through. It was. It was it was one of the darkest times I've ever been through and um I can just say that I'm extremely grateful that I was surrounded by amazing family and friends and our church and that um we had good counsel uh, to help us get through it, but we were on the verge of bankruptcy wow. because we had taken out. Uh, we also opened a, a third restaurant in the middle of this called the Wine Loft. So we had taken out over two million dollars worth of debt mm. um, c- of construction loans, um, and 
we had planned that the restaurants would pay those loans off. But now we had to close two of our restaurants. Anyway, um, it's a very long story, but the beautiful thing that came out of that, and it's, is that God placed people in our lives that helped us survive all of that, carried us through it in amazing ways. Um, you know, I feel very fortunate that our marriage survived. Sure. That, um, we, we had a choice of either coming together or, you know, blaming each other, but that had happened. And, uh, we decided that all we had left was each other mm. and we decided to work through it together. And we were advised by a very wonderful attorney and counsel to us who said, no matter what, always answer your phone, no matter who's calling, answer your phone. And if they're asking for money, tell them the truth have a conversation with them, just be honest with people. And we did that through the entire process. And it was absolutely amazing. So many people forgave our debt, including the bank. Wow. Wow, Jeannie. That's like a miracle. <laughs> it is. It was a miracle. It really was. Wow. And I mean, we did pay back everything we could. We liquidated. Sure. Mm -hmm. We liquidated all of our real estate. We liquidated the big house. We liquidated the boat oh. and the fancy cars. Um, everything we had yeah. to liquidate. But the bank didn't force us to file bankruptcy. Um, oh. And they actually gave us enough money to buy another house. Wow. And that's another long story that I don't think we have time for today. But that one, that was, I mean, it just brings tears to my eyes to remember how mm -hmm. blessed we were through that entire process. And sometimes it's hard to see the blessing in the darkness. Oh, it sure um, is. I, I'm guessing that they did forgive the debt because they probably, first of all, you were a woman of integrity. You were being honest and you were trying to do everything you could, sold off your own assets. That's different than trying to weasel out of something, being dishonest, running away, avoiding. So I commend you and your husband for that. And it's good for our listeners, too, who may be on the edge of that to right. just be honest. Answer the phone. I love the advice that your attorney gave. Don't run away. That And, and you didn't. And you pulled together with your husband. All that is beautiful, Jeannie. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did, we moved into a house and, um, and basically had to really start from nothing. And it was hard because we're very well known in our community. We mm. live in a little town, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it sounds like a little town, right? And, mm. uh, so everybody knew us, we'd been all over the news. So it was hard to go out in public again, you know, mm, it was hard sure. to face that. <clears throat> and we were in the desert for a while. Um, trying to figure it out. And I, um, I had gone right into the restaurant business pretty much out of high school. So I didn't have a college degree. Um, I, I knew a lot about business, but, you know, I also felt like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to get a job. I've never been employed by anyone. I've only pretty much been a business owner almost all of my life. And so I went out into the world and I worked in the nonprofit world for uh, a few years. And we actually did open one more restaurant because uh, we thought, well, that's what we know how to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we opened one more restaurant and we kept that restaurant going for a few years. We did end up closing it and finally retiring out of the restaurant business. We let that part of our life go. 
And while I was working in nonprofits, um, the people who used to clean our house came to us. They knew that we had sold several businesses and they wanted to sell in the day when we had money and we were busy people. (laughs) And, uh, and so my husband went to help them sell their business. And when he looked at it, he said, you know what? I think this is what Jeannie should be doing. This is a perfect fit for her. And I, of course, thought he was absolutely insane. (laughs) Um, Like, you mean houses? We don't know anything about that. We can't do that. Uh, But then when we looked at it, we're like, you know, it is just customer service. Mm -hmm. And we know customer service. We've been doing that for over 25 years. And that's where Jeannie Cleaning started. So we bought a little cleaning business um, that had 50 clients and um, started there. And today my business has almost 400 clients. uh, And we serve hundreds of families throughout our area. And it's really grown to be a business that I absolutely love. It wasn't all fun and games. It wasn't easy sure. and simple to get started. Like in your book, how you talk mm-hmm. about you have to, how you have to learn more. Sure. You know, you do, you have to like, what do I need to know to do the thing that I want to do? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what I had to do. I really had to dig in and learn all about this industry, everything I could. Um, and running a service business is different than running a retail restaurant business. And, um, and I did the first year was really, really rough. And I did, I found a coach and a mentor. Her name is Debbie Sardone. And if you're listening to this, Debbie, thank you so much for being part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I found her, but she, uh, through her program, cleaning business fundamentals, I learned, she shares everything that she knows about running a home service business and really helped me take my business off the ground. And today now I'm a coach in her program uh, and I get to help other cleaning business owners. That's um, wonderful. <laughs> have the same experience. And, and what I have found is a lot of people in the cleaning industry are like I was. They're starting over somehow. Mm-hmm. And um, so I love helping the startups. I love helping people starting over. That's wonderful. You have such a good heart. Tell me more about when you decided to buy this business. Can you give some detail for our friend listening? How did you do that? You went to a a bank, you presented what, because you needed to get financing, right? What was interesting, well, this, this, uh, family that owned the business, we knew we had known them for about 20 years and we met them at church. Mm -hmm. So we had very close relationship. Uh, so they knew us very well. And uh, we've been friends for a long time. And uh, we bought the business on contract with them. Okay. What does right? that so we ne- mean? So we negotiated um, basically a loan through them. So we did make a down payment on the negotiated price for the business. But then we paid it off over the first few years that we owned the business and we made monthly payments to them. And it was nice for them, too, because they were retiring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, they would have loved a lump sum for the purchase of the business. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't win everyone. Yes. But they, you know, they said, you know, that for them, it was kind of nice to just have this ongoing income coming in Mm -hmm. for the first couple of years that they were retired. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, 
And when you... So as we generated income, we were able to pay off the business, which was, you know, that's a, it's a great way to get started if you can find um, an offer like that. Right. And there are businesses like that where Mm -hmm. it's actually the, the owner, seller that finances it themselves, like you said, for a few years. And then you can either pay off the business during that time or maybe get some other financing. So there's a lot of creative ways and you were already in relationship and it's good to look around us who's there, what's happening. Once you purchased a business, obviously you said you went into some self-education. Was there anything you worked out with them or their employees already set in place that helped? Well, they, so the uh, previous owners did coach me initially and because it was a service business, I really felt that I needed to know um, the clients because it's, this is a very personal business. We go into people's homes and, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I spent a significant amount of time um, with the, one of the owners going through every little bit about the business to learn, to extract as much from her mind as I could uh, before she uh, left town on retirement. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I got as much information out of her as I can. And we also had an agreement that I could call her at any time nice. uh, for the first six months at least, but she's, we're still friends. I mean, I can call her today if I wanted to, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but she knew that we were going to take the business to another level because she had known us for a long time and watched us build our businesses of the past, and which is what we've done. You know, we've, we've, taken the, we've grown the business to a, a different level with more employees and different level of service and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And obviously you made it through the last two years with the pandemic. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, that's a really good story. Uh, and that, <clears throat> I think my experience of losing everything one time <laughs> that we did before, like we did before, really prepared me. You know, you look back on your life and you see how God prepares you for things. Yes. And when I was in the desert and I worked for um, three different nonprofits during that time, and at each one, I had to learn new skills and I use all of those skills today. And I think back on it, like I wouldn't have been ready to own this business if I hadn't had that period of time where I had to start learning a bunch of new skills, especially knowing the most recent technologies and things like that out in the world, it really helped prepare me for where I'm at today. And going through that period of loss prepared me for going through a period of time where uh, our business was going to be shut down. Uh, We are in the state of Michigan and Michigan shut down pretty hard at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. And we, we did literally close our doors for six weeks. Wow. It was a, very hard decision to make, but I felt it's what we needed to do here for us. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was the only person who showed up every day to work in my, I have a little office in an office complex. And I would say there's probably 300 parking spaces and my car would be the only one there every day for six weeks. Uh, And I went in and all I did was figure out how we were going to reopen strong. And how I was going to prepare my team to go out and work in people's homes during the pandemic in a way that they were comfortable and felt safe and that the clients 
were comfortable and felt safe. Sure. So I, um, I leaned into a, an international organization that I'm part of called ISSA. They, they provided a lot of education around, um, working in a, you know, in the pandemic environment for our business in, for our industry. So I took all kinds of education uh, classes around the science of cleaning and sanitation and things like that. So I, I became a better cleaning business owner nice. uh, during that time. I really strengthened our business. And I also spent a lot of time communicating with um, my team. I think I had about, I think I had about 16 people on my team at that time and also our clients. So I used video. And I made little videos that I would send out periodically to my team and to our clients to kind of let them know what I was doing to prepare to reopen. Wonderful. And that was probably through YouTube and didn't cost you anything? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) I was using um, a free Zoom account to record my videos. And then I would just upload them to YouTube and email them out to people. And then we actually would have, um, I would have Zoom meetings with my team just to keep them connected and let them know what I was up to and how I was preparing to reopen. And, um, and also just some planning. It was a huge communication task to, I think we had about 275 clients when the pandemic started. Um, And, you know, to communicate with all of them and then find out which ones were ready to start up when we were reopening, Mm -hmm. we reopened at about 40% of our size before we closed. Wow. And we had to regrow. But the good news is, is that my business is actually, was actually larger, grew larger in the pandemic Hmm. than it was before the pandemic. Oh, isn't that something? And I know a lot of it was because you didn't look at it that, oh, this is going to hurt. You came up with some new ideas of communicating with people, staying in touch. That is so important. What does ISSA stand for? (laughs) You know, it used to be like the international sanitation services association or something Mm -hmm. like that. (laughs) And now they just say ISSA because that's what every, and we just call it the international cleaning association, but it is the worldwide cleaning association. And then I am on um, the residential cleaning council for North America. Um, So I've really plugged into as many industry experts as I can. Good for you. Um, and, I, and you talk about that a lot in your book, which I think is so helpful to, in any circumstance, we should not go it alone. So like right. when we lost our businesses back in the recession, we immediately reached out to people we thought could help us like that wonderful attorney. I've thanked God yes. for him so many times. He was such good counsel to us. Mm-hmm. And we reached out to the people we owed money to, like our landlord. Wow. <laughs> um, we had a landlord Good. that we had two leases signed with, and he could have made us keep paying on those leases for five years if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we met with him, and, and the beauty of it is, is he shared his story of losing everything. Wow, Jeannie. And how mm-hmm. he could see himself in us, and he... Um, he released us from those two leases. Wow. Good, good for him. Because as yeah. it is, you can't, what's the saying? Can't bleed um, water out of a rock or something <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like that. It right. just, uh, I think he knew that. Him. Yeah. 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 But 
Aww. he could have come after us some other way, but he didn't. Sure. And he was just very kind. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just we were surrounded by really wonderful people through that. And then I was just grateful. You know, I had my coach going into the pandemic. Um, and actually, she and I uh, put together an educational program to help other people who were trying to reopen their business after the pandemic. Um, so we had hundreds of people go through that program to help them reopen their businesses. Wonderful. And I think yeah. it's it's great that the nice thing about associations, joining associations and groups in the industries that we're in is they often will provide education. And you did great with taking full advantage of all of that. Then also with going to your landlord and not waiting for the landlord to come to you, I think is really wonderful. And our relationships are so important no matter what's going on in good times and hard times. So then when you do go through the hard times and you need some help, people are willing to meet you where you're at. Yes. So that was great. Okay. We're all, this went by so fast. We're almost coming up on 30 minutes. So if you want to think about anything else you want to share, and then also I'm so honored you got my book and I meant to ask you ahead of time, if there's a couple of things you want to share about my book that you think will be helpful for our listener. And in the meantime, I'm going to talk about the book and then I'll come back to you with those, with those questions. So for our listener, you can still order my book. It go to my website, womenmovingup.com. I still have some autographed copies that you can have that uh, just have a limited supply of those right now. And it's real easy to go on there and get your copy really quick. It gets mailed out to you. And that book is really for this time and season. I had no idea when I first was starting to write it that we would go through this pandemic. And the good thing about right now is that if you're thinking of making a change, making a move, this is the time to do it because there is a lack of workers right here in America. And so just something to think about. I never say just jump ship, don't quit, but consider maybe making the change now or starting to make the change, starting to do that dream that you want and that business that you want. Womenmovingup.com. Okay, Jeannie, back to you. Anything else you want to add? Yeah. You know, I, what you said um, right there about, you know, trying something new or, you know, if there was a dream in your heart, I think so many people live their whole lives. Like I, if I could, if I could do anything, I would do this, but they don't ever do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I want them to be encouraged by just looking around. And when you read the book, there's so many great stories of people who have overcome and then created the life they dream of. And I, I think so much of it is what's in our head and what we believe we can do. Yes. But reading other people's stories, learning other people's stories, reading about people who have achieved their dreams Mm. uh, really can inspire you to go after that thing that is in your heart. And I would encourage people to do that uh, because I'm, I feel so grateful. I've always wanted to, uh, to create my own brand. 
and be an independent business person so that I can grow to the certain point where I can give because I just Mm. love to give freely. And that's really my goal. It's not to own a big successful business. Right. It's, you know, because I love to give and I love to help women Mm. and, and startup entrepreneurs achieve their dreams. And, and this business is giving me the ability to do that. So I want to encourage people to do that. And the things that I loved about your book, uh, one of the things that really resonated with me that I found has been helpful in my life, you talk about the power of habits. And when we go through a period of loss, kind of good habits go out the window. And we, we often will get into some bad habits. And I'm guilty of that. And I had to whip myself into shape and I knew if I wanted to create the successful life I was dreaming of, that I had to be the best version of me and to be the best version of me. That means taking care of my body, taking care of my mind, filling my mind with things that help me move forward. And, um, and, and then, you know, having strong relationships with the people in my life, whether they're my loved ones or people I work with. Mm-hmm. And so those power of habits, that section in your book was really, really great. And um, the whole thing about leaning into the right people, my story has so much to do with the people that um, God placed around me, but God could have put them there and I might not have leaned into them. Right. You know, but they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so having, you know, you talk about the eagles and we all have those like eagles, those great people surrounding us in our lives that we want to get to know better or that we already know and have, want to have better relationships with. And when you lean into them, it's amazing what a difference it can make. And I, yeah, I, that's, that was really powerful. And I thought, you know, I didn't intentionally do that, but looking back, I I did kind of follow that model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really great advice um, that people are in your life for a reason. That is really true. Well, thanks for sharing that. And then also share about that, how you are a coach and how our listener can reach you. Yeah. So uh, as I shared before, I, uh, I found a coach uh, five years ago and she really helped me grow and strengthen my business to a point I could never have imagined. Uh, and, and through that, uh, I learned how to become a coach myself. And now I help, uh, I coach other people in the residential cleaning industry, but I also help people in other businesses as well around the idea of, um, what you need to do to build a successful business and be the successful entrepreneur uh, that you have the potential to be, to unleash your potential. And I love doing that. So I work with people all over the U.S. and internationally uh, in the cleaning business. As a matter of fact, I just got back from a conference of over 400 cleaning business owners where I spoke. Um, but yeah, you can find me online. Just search my name, Jeannie Henderson. Uh, and I'm in an organization called Cleaning Business Fundamentals. You can visit my website, geniecleaning.com to learn more about my cleaning business and reach me through there as well. But just look me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd love to connect with anyone who is out there and 
wants to know more about getting into the home services business, I'd love to help them. Yeah, there's a there's a need for that, a, a home services business. And as uh, in what I do, people are always asking me, do you know a housekeeper? Do you know a good housekeeper? And <laughs> Jeannie, I wish, uh, uh, yeah, in Kalamazoo, but I, I have yet to know. No, I have my own housekeeper, but not right. a, a company like yours that, that is uh, for residential. I We did have a, a um, Martha Yamas, so she has a commercial mm-hmm. cleaning company, which is... Mm-hmm. Very different, and yours is residential, which is also. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, I think more and more people are hiring that cleaning person, realizing they need to use their time for other things, uh, spend more time with family and and in their business. And well, I am yeah, and there is a real shortage of people in the home services businesses, mm-hmm. so it is a great time to mm-hmm. uh, get involved in and residential cleaning and all types of cleaning and home services. There's, there's a great need, but you're right. People are willing to invest uh, in services so that they can have time for the things that matter most. And we're really seeing it. I cannot keep up with the demand. And I do have a couple of great friends in your area. So I'll have to introduce you. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. I, I could send them a lot of clients. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Jeannie, thank you so much. And to our friend listening, thank you for joining us when hearing all the wonderful tidbits and nuggets that Jeannie had to share with us today. And until next time. Bye from now from Women Starting Over. Well, my friend, thank you for letting me be with you today. Please leave a review so that women that need help can find this podcast. I am Nora Ellen, your host. See you next time on Women Starting Over.